Woo! Look at you. you loud and proud. I love it. Well, good morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Mike. I'm the lead pastor here of Fervent Church. And so if you are a guest this morning, welcome. You're catching us off uh, a week. We had a week off last week for 4th of July weekend. And, uh, and so there's a lot of energy in the room. That's why they got, this is what happens when you rest, people. This is what happens when you rest. You come back refreshed and ready to rock. And so I personally believe that this morning's message is going to be impactful. And um, I still believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. I believe that if you read it right, if you read it right, if you don't read it as just a book of rules, you read it as a manual so for us to have a relationship with God, it could bring liberty and freedom to your life. I do believe that. And because we honor the word, I want you to stand up for the reading of the word today. We are continuing our series. We're in the series titled, Know Your Role. You ever said that? Know your role. Or know your lane. Stay in your lane, Ephraim, right? Stay in your lane, because we want to know what are our responsibilities, because I think the modern day church has gotten our responsibilities twisted a little bit. Everything's supposed to be on the pastor, right? When we don't realize that you have the same Holy Spirit that any pastor has up here. You have the same Holy Spirit that the worship team, right? God doesn't give you a junior Holy Spirit. You have the full Holy Spirit in your life. And so I want to talk about activating that more in your life. I know responsibility is sometimes a cuss word here in our society, but like, look at it that way. You are authorized to do some amazing things in your life. So John chapter 21, I want you to catch a theme here. This is Jesus interacting with his disciples. This, is now, this was now the third time, everybody say the third time. The third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead, okay? This is the third time post-resurrection. And when they had finished breakfast, can I just stop real quick? Isn't it awesome that your Jesus loves breakfast? Come on, somebody. I love me some breakfast. I don't know what would Jesus eat. Maybe like a, like a nice muscle-building omelet, maybe, like egg whites and bacon. I don't know, probably not bacon. But you get what I'm saying? He... He ate breakfast, and Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? This is intimate conversation that we're getting a sneak peek into. And he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, okay, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said to them, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, everybody say a third time. Everybody see the pattern here? Simon, son of John, do you love me? And right here, I want you to highlight this if you have a highlighter in your Bible. P Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. You know it's bad when somebody has to ask you a question three times. You know, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Are you telling the truth? No, really, are you telling the truth? I'm gonna give you one more chance. Are you telling the truth? 
So Peter was grieved and he says, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my sheep. Verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show them by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. Peter was going to go through some stuff and Jesus was trying to give him a clue on what was going to happen. The sacrifice is gonna come from the dedication of following Jesus. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Which is crazy, because up until this point, that's what Peter was doing, right? Wasn't Peter already following Jesus? And then Jesus had the audacity to say it again, follow me. Why? Maybe he was leading him to a different level of fellowship that he has yet to experience. He was taking him to another level, a deeper depth, a higher height. That's what we're supposed to do as believers. If we're following Jesus, then we need to go somewhere. He's following, he, we're following him somewhere, not nowhere. We're following him somewhere. So things need to happen. And that's what we're gonna discuss today, amen? Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we ask you, Lord, to do what only you can do. Move on our hearts, move on our minds, illuminate this word, make it come to life. Be real. Be real to us, God. That's what we ask. That's what we desire. We love you, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Before you're seated, remember like the lights were a little more dim in the past? And I would say, hey, turn to the person next to you and compliment them. Because, man, you look good in this light. So uh, here's what I want you to say before you're seated. Look to the person and say, man, you even look better. You look better now that it's brighter. All right? You look better now that it's brighter than you may be seated. Did you know July 9th is a special day for me? We know now. July 9th is a special day. July 9th. 2009. I remember it because I woke up that morning and I, this is the pattern, I opened up my Bible app and then I opened up my ESPN app. I do that too. And I remember waking up, reading my Bible, praying, and then looking at the standings on ESPN and lo and behold, the Mets are second to last place. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Efren feels my pain. He's a fellow Mets fan. And, uh, but I remember that that was, I started a fast June 9th of 2009. So for 30 days, I fasted for 30 days. It was the first time I ever done this. Fasted for 30 days and I was working at another church uh, back then. And, um, well, can I be real with you? There was some drama happening. Do you know that sometimes you encounter drama in church? No. There was some drama there. The pastor had to take a forced sabbatical. Those aren't fun. And uh, so I was left to run the church. And, uh, and I remember it was a very frustrating time, and, and, but yet the Lord was doing something in my heart and I was led to fast for 30 days. 
And I'm not flexing and I'm not showing off, I'm just telling you what happened. And it's one of the first times that God showed me a picture of fervent church. He showed me, and there was two things I remember. And, 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 and if you ever fasted, I didn't get anything for 30 days. I got it on the 30th day. And that was June 9th, I mean July 9th, 2009. And he told me two things, and there's a song that I would listen to, um, and the song said, asked for the nations. And God kind of told me, that's, that's what I want you to do. I want you to ask for the nations, and I will bring the nations to me. And so that's been a, a, a marker in my prayer life where I'm asking God for the nations. Second thing he told me is that I want you to lead a church full of real disciples. Up until that point, the saving grace of the church, like a lot of people, they, st they, they stayed even in the midst of the drama because they were just like, Pastor Mike, I'm staying because you, you're, you're still keeping it real. I remember just that, that sometimes nobody taught me to, how to do this, but I would go up there and I'd be like, well, your pastor's still gone. I don't know what to tell you. So you got me right now. And I'm going to give you my best. Right? At that point, I was eight years, you know, I was preaching for eight years at that point. And so now I'm at year 22. I'm getting, I'm getting, a, little, I'm getting a little better. A little better. But I would just keep it real, and that's what they wanted. And so God said, no, that is, that is the DNA of this future church is to keep it real. But it's not just keeping it real because, you know, I would sometimes say, people say keep it real. That just, like, that just allows them to be a jerk, right? You know, I don't like, that shirt looks stupid on you. I'm just keeping it real, though. Just keeping it real. It's not permission to be a jerk. When I say keeping it real, I mean authenticity. That means being genuine. That means being, you could still be kingdom-minded, while still living in reality, keeping it real. So did you know, did you know that July 9th, 2009, is a special day for your pastor? Do you know that you could pour pure water, pure water in any container and leave it there for months and it won't stay pure? In fact, if you don't do anything with it, it'll start accumulating bacteria and possibly diseases. If you don't do anything with pure water, if you just leave it there, pure water. Did you know, and I just learned this because I had to plant a tree in my front yard, and I'm a city slicker, I did not know how to do that. So your boy YouTubed it like anyone else would. So I learned a lot about planting trees. So if you need help, don't holler at me, I'm still not an expert. All because you plant one tree doesn't make you an arborist or whatever. But did you know that you have to be specific of where you plant the tree because there's a point where if the tree's always overshadowed by other trees, it'll stop growing. Did you know you could do 50 push-ups a day? 50 push-ups a day. And you'll get strong in the very beginning, but if you continue just doing 50 push-ups a day for about 18 months, your muscles will stop growing. Isn't that crazy? 50 push-ups a day, like, that's a lot. And eventually, your muscles will just stop growing. What am I saying? 
I'm saying that things don't stay healthy without motion, change, and pain. Can I say that again? Things don't stay healthy without motion, change, and pain. They just don't. You can't, you, you can start off with pure water. You can start off being a healthy tree. You can start off getting that pump on with 50 push-ups. But without motion, change, and pain, you will not stay healthy. Nature tells us that, and I think even on a spiritual level, we all need to acknowledge that. So as we're continuing this series today, you know, normally I'm trying to be funny and cute up here. Today's going to be a little more serious, all right? And I'm not, letting, I'm not yelling at you, I'm yelling with you. Because I'm just passionate about going back to today, on that Thursday where the Lord spoke to me about this being a real church. What would it look like? to have not just real Christians, because you check off the box on an application saying that you're a Christian, not about that, but what does it mean to be a real follower of Jesus? And then how does that affect you? How does that affect others in your life if we truly activate it to no longer play church or do church as usual? That's my passion. Because here's the deal, folks. And again, I'm not yelling at you, I'm yelling with you. On our watch, Fervent Church, do you know that right now, 80, it's now up to 80% of churches in our denomination, we're a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, it's now up to 80. We used to say 69%. Now it's up to 80% of churches are plateaued or declining. Why? Because remember, back then, if we could just get back to church, everything's going to be all right during the pandemic. All right, we, we in here then what's wrong? What's happening? What's missing? I think it's because we got our responsibilities a little twisted. Because things don't stay healthy without motion, change, and pain. So here you have this conversation between Jesus and Peter, and, and this conversation is after the resurrection. So this is, think about it for a second. These guys were excited for about three years. They had three years of intense training with the Messiah, the Savior. And then Peter was the one, he was the one that always had the right answers. You remember that? Right? He says, I know who you are. You are Jesus, the son of the living God. And Jesus got excited. Oh, boy, I'm going to build my church on you. And then what happens? During this time of turmoil and turbulation, during, during the death and, and resurrection, we see Peter deny Jesus how many times? Three times. So then three days, this is the third appearance of Jesus, third appearance of Jesus to Peter, who denied him three times, and Jesus asked him the question three times. And the Bible says that it grieved him. The number three is a very special number in the Bible because obviously you could automatically think of the Trinity, but the number three in, 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 in Israel represents completion, perfection, redemption. So it's crazy how Jesus, he asked him this question three times in order to redeem every moment in which he denied him. This intimate conversation, and, and, and we don't understand it because sometimes the English language is very limiting. And I don't know if you know this, there's different words for love in the Greek. 
So this is how the conversation really happened. You got to understand, the, the two words used here are agape, right? So the word love, agape here means it's a selfless, unconditional love, all right? That agape love. And then we're, we're from the Philly area, right? We're my Phillies fans. We're my Eagles fans. Flyers? Oh, wow, okay. The word phileo, this refers to just affectionate love or friendship type of love. We call it or brotherly love. So this is how the conversation actually went. Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me? He says, do you unconditionally love me? This is how the conversation really went. Do you agape me? Peter's response was, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. So, and in the first two questions, Jesus used the word agape to describe this depth of selfless love that he needs from his followers. So he said, so the second time, do you agape me? Peter responds, Lord, you know I phileo you. And then, but, but then the final question, Jesus uses phileo instead of agape. Why? Because Jesus wanted to meet Peter at his current level. So do you agape me? You know I phileo you. Do you agape me? You know I phileo you. Okay, do you really even phileo me? Lord, and that's what, remember, that's where it grieved him. It grieved him in this moment. Because you know what? I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm not at that level, but I want to be. Have you ever said that in regards to your spiritual journey? I'm not at that level, but I want to be. And that's what it takes to be a real church, an authentic church. It's to sit there and, and, and embrace the fact that, you know what, sometimes my faith is okay, and sometimes it sucks. And to be with people that won't judge you or condemn you, but say something to the nature of, yeah, you know what, I feel you. I have those days as well. There are days where I agape Jesus. And there are some days where I barely phileo Jesus. Barely. And for us to be a church, to let that be okay, because Jesus was okay with it. Because even at that level, he still offered Peter an invitation to continue to follow him. Come on. Come on. If you're, if you, if you're new to your faith, I want to talk to two different types of people. Those who are new to your faith and those who've been around the block for a really long time. That listen, it doesn't matter your level. Jesus wants to meet you at your level. He wants to meet you at your level. But here's your responsibility. Here's your responsibility. You can't stay at that level. You can't stay at that level. Here's why I think Christianity is really declining. It's not because of deconstructionism. It's not, that stuff ain't new. It's not because of politics. That stuff ain't new. You think the church hasn't experienced some, you know, Christians, this coming persecution. What persecution? We're still allowed to meet. You know nothing about persecution. I do not want, I don't have the audacity to talk to some of the missionaries overseas that are really going through persecution, right? I don't have the audacity to say, yeah, you know what, I feel you. No, I don't. 
We're not, we're not there. Maybe we will be. But right now, we're comfortable. And we're stuck at a level. That's why we're not growing. We're stuck in a moment. We're more worried about Christmas cantatas than spiritual development. We're more worried about what bands not to sing. Don't sing Bethel songs anymore, Ephraim. Don't sing Hillsong songs anymore, Ephraim. We're more worried about that stuff than actual growth. You're stuck at this level and you want to be petty about everybody else's levels. And here's the deal. Here's the deal, folks. I love you. Remember, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling with you. Here's the deal. Christians, that's the term that's constantly used, Christian, Christian, right? And what's, what's the number one complaint that people have about Christians? Hypocrites, right? Hypocrites. Did you say they're always late? That too. Um, <laughs> she said, that's not what I said. <laughs> they're always late. I'm staring right at you. You want an on-time blessing, but show up to church late. Say something. I'm teasing. But Christian, that word means Christ-like. To be Christ-like. It's not just a religious affiliation. It means to be Christ-like. So watch this. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Isn't this interesting? After three days... There's a number three again. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. This is a teenage Jesus. Can you imagine? Teenage Jesus, and after three days, they, they, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teenagers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Because they were looking for him. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. This is Jesus' response. And only Jesus, kids, only Jesus can get away with this type of response. <laughs> you are not Jesus, just so shut up. But this is what he said. He says, why were you searching for me? He says, did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. See, but even Jesus obeyed his parents. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And verse 52, this is important. And Jesus grew. Jesus grew. Your perfect Savior grows. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and men. Jesus grew. If we're going to be like Jesus, we need to grow. He didn't stay at that status. He didn't stay at that level of wisdom. He didn't stay at that level of favor with the Father. He didn't stay at that level of favor with man. The Bible says he grew in stature, in wisdom, in favor with God and man. He grew, which means, which means, write this down, 
True Christianity requires growth. True Christianity, real Christianity requires growth. Which means, again, 2024 needs to look different than 2023. Which means, in a couple months, your devotion time should look different. Which means, the songs you sing should be different. Y'all amen, amen me when I said, things don't stay healthy without motion, change, and pain. It's okay to have problems. Trust me, you're going to have problems. No. You're going to have problems, but let's have new problems. Let's have new problems next year. New problems next month. And every new, every new level in your life, you're going to require, it's going to require you facing a new devil. That's okay. But that means you're still growing. And so our responsibility is growth which should be a game changer for some of us, right? Because some of us, we think, well, as long as the worship team brings it, then it's a good service. As long as the pastor brings it, it's a good service, right? As long as, long as, as they still do the things that I like and run the programs that I love and sing, my, and sing all the songs that I like, then it's a good church. Let's redefine a good church. A good church is a family of God that's growing together. And not like those trees, you remember I said, because once a tree gets overshadowed, it stops growing. But we make, we make space. We make space for you to reach newer heights. We make space for you to have issues. Let's put some sunlight on it. Let's get some rain on it right now. Because again, nothing stays healthy without motion, change, and pain. Are y'all getting anything I'm saying this morning? So Christians are supposed to grow. So Jesus gave Peter the, these if and then clauses. If you love me, then you do what? Feed my lamb. Said the second time, if you love me, then you will tend to my sheep. Stop real quick. This isn't really a big part of the sermon, but I need a modern day church, American church, to recognize this because I'm tired of the comparison. You know, sometimes people ask me as a pastor after I'm done convincing them that I am a pastor. I love that game. Well, they ask me, uh, I, I can be real with y'all. It's a pretty dumb question, you know, like, are you a discipleship church or are you more of an evangelistic church, you know? Are you an attractional church or are you a missional church? Stupid. Here's why that's dumb. Why does it have to be either or? Why, why can't you attract people and still be on mission? Why can't you attract people while on mission? Isn't that how Jesus did it? Why, you know when discipleship starts? Discipleship starts even before someone even gives their life to Jesus. So we're both. Or, you know, does your pastor go deep, you know? 
I don't want that milk stuff. I want that filet mignon stuff. I like it. I like it when my pastor goes line by line, breaking down everything. And sometimes we do that and sometimes we don't, you know, like I, Jesus didn't preach like that. God forbid Jesus was a topical preacher. Ain't that crazy? Ain't that nuts? No, not Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, topical preacher. He used analogies all the time. So when you hating on my analogies, talk to Jesus. But we got to understand that Christianity brings growth. But so he has these if and then clauses and he talks about lamb and sheep. So what do I talk about? Lamb, what is the lamb? A baby sheep. So when he's talking to Peter, he says, hey, basically, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you just to tend to my flock, tend to my sheep, but tend to the babies and then also tend to the grown folks. Okay. So the words that we preach up here, I try to make it universal, that it, 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 it implies to the person who's new to faith and also to, to some of you who've been around the block for a really long time. Because all of us can apply these. So I'm going to give you my own if and then clauses. You ready? Number one, if you're going to consume spiritual calories, then you also need to burn them. If you're going to consume spiritual calories you also need to burn them. What am I talking about? We eat every Sunday together, right? You're, we eating right now, right? I wish you would bring a fork and knife with you next Sunday. Your notebook and pen. Actually, can we put that on this fervent store? Like get a notebook that says knife and a pen that says fork. Marketing ideas. The whole front row just vetoed me, so don't get excited about that. <laughs> but isn't that true? We come, we come, and we eat. We eat. But we don't do anything with it. We don't burn those calories. And again, to use this analogy, I wonder, like, if your spirituality is getting dull, maybe your spiritual metabolism is slowing down because you're not burning these spiritual calories that you're taking in, right? You sit there and say, oh, Pastor Mike, that was a great word. And this is, this is why I, I love this. I love this. We're like, man, that was a good word last week. What I preach on? I don't remember, but it was a good <laughs> word. And we go from... Real talk, we go from good word to good word to good word. That sounds real cocky, but that's what it is, right? We go from good word to good word to good word, and we're not changing, we're not shifting, we're not applying it, right? And you, well, I don't remember it. You know how you remember it? You remember it when you instantly apply it. When you find ways on Monday morning to apply this thing, and this goes for those new to the faith. I'm warning you right now. I'm telling you in about two years, you hit that two-year wall. This happens to all of us. Two-year wall. You, you're doing good. You're praying. You're doing your devotion. You're doing this. You're doing that. And all of a sudden, it starts getting stale. And you wonder what's happening. And it's because we're not living in activation. We're not burning those in, that intake. Old people. Oh, not old people. You know what I'm talking about. People have been around the block for a little bit. You get to the place where you, then you start going, well, maybe, 
Can I preach? Some of you go, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe fervent's just not the church for me anymore. I'm just, I'm just not getting anything out of it, you know. I need something deeper, something meatier. And if that's for real, if that's you, maybe it's time for you to stop consuming and to start producing. And don't act like there's no opportunities for that. We're always looking for collective leaders. Collectives are our communities that we have here, 20 plus people. This is where you get to facilitate conversation and impart the word of God and, and, and care for people and tend to the flock. Because again, that, you think that's my job. No, 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 no. According to Ephesians 4, my job is to prepare you for your job. You are the ministers of this church. You are the ministers of this church. So if you ever get to the place where you're just like, I just want more, I want more, but you're not producing more, there's a problem. You're consuming and you're not producing. Okay? We're, we're not interested in building fervent on one personality. The only personality we're building fervent on is Jesus. But I, I don't want to be the only preacher. I don't want to be the only leader. Our vision is to plant and replant churches that inspire followers of a real Jesus. And I cannot do that alone. Our team can't do that alone. So here's an idea. Rather than throwing popcorn and beer cans at the players, get in the game. Get in the game. You know, Point number two. And here's the deal. It's basically the same point said three different ways. All right. Point number two. If you're going to have good theology, then it, it, it needs to become an active reality. If you're going to have good theology, it needs to become an active theology. I mean, reality. So, so what does that mean? You're like, you, man, just, just preach the word, Pastor Mike. That's all you got to do is preach the word. No, it's not all I got to do. I, I have to hold you accountable to the word. Because the Bible actually tells us, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. It means to make it an active reality. So maybe your spirituality is getting stale. Here's a couple ideas. Ready? You have a theology of redemption and reconciliation. We have a theology. The word theology means a study of God. Our study of God teaches us that we are forgiven. Amen? All right? Our, our theology tells us that wherever sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Okay? And all, every, every head up here is nodding. Like like you're at a hip-hop concert. You're just nodding and you're like, you agree with me. And that's great. That's great. So then why is it that some days we feel like we out grace? So why is it that some days it's really difficult for us to extend grace? It went from this to this. Y'all got real Stevie Wonder on me on that one. That's a, Right or wrong? We have a theology that God is healer. Now I'm going there. We have a theology that God is healer. But in the Americanized church, we stop praying for people. 
Why? Because I don't want to get disappointed. Because we walk around in that doubt, activated doubt, and we say, well, what if nothing happens? Well, what if it does? What if something does happen? This is what I'm talking about. It's not good just that we all have decent theology, but it doesn't matter. It's all dead. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. So just preach a good word, Pastor Mike. It's not enough. My responsibility is to hold you accountable to do that word. If, if we really have victory, if we really have victory in Jesus, if we really overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb, why is our faith so fragile? We get so worried about who's in office. We get so worried about Someone failed morally. We get so worried about it. And listen, all that stuff is important. We need to chase Jesus. We need to pursue sanctification, meaning that we're getting better and better as the Holy Spirit's molding and making us into his likeness. I believe all that. However, he gave us grace because we're going to need it. And so if we have victory, if our theology is victory, then why is our faith so fragile? Right? Faith is so fragile. I've, I've, the pettiness sometimes in church. Now, you know, I, on the side, my wife and I, we, we coach other churches. And, and sometimes when I hear about just some of the pettiness that divides a church, you know. I was just in a church a couple months ago, and the church divided over the pastor going to someone's wedding. That's how, the, I'm not exaggerating, that's what the church divided on. And I'm just thinking, is our faith really that fragile? That the attendance of a pastor at a wedding could literally divide a church that's been around for decades. If we're going to have good theology, then we need to have an, uh, that theology activated in our reality. Number three, last one. Y'all getting this? Number three, worship team, you can come on up. If, if he is the head and we are the body, then we are not in control. So the Bible uses this analogy of uh, the church. It's described as not a building most of the time. It's described as a family of God. It's described as the bride of Christ that one day Jesus will return for his bride. So this is this love affair between the savior and his church. So think about that before you crap on the church because you're crapping on Jesus's bride. And I wish you would try to say something to me about my bride. My wife just said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even think she needs my help if I'm really honest with you. But then it also describes that we're a body in which Jesus is the head of his body. And Jesus isn't like fallen state of humanity where sometimes we let other body parts make decisions for us. Some of y'all nodding for different reasons, but that's cool. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes my stomach is making decisions that my head knows darn well 
you need to say no to, right? If Jesus is the head and we are the body, then when are we gonna admit that we're not in control? That's what we try to do, we try to control things in our lives, we try to control things in the church, you know? Ephraim, that guy, he, he led our worship and production team and volunteers this morning uh, in worship in a private way. And as I was engaging with the song and engaging with the presence of God, I was a little bit of a creeper and I was staring at my wife worshiping. And uh, she does this thing where she, she takes it up, she holds it up for Jesus and she turns it over to him in her worship. And we've been doing that a lot lately. <laughs> we're not in control, God. I'm just giving it right back to you. We, we're, we have a, we're supposed to fly out to California this evening and the flight is already canceled. And I have to teach a seminar at 9 a.m. in California tomorrow. And I don't know how we're gonna get there. <laughs> it's all you, Jesus. You're gonna figure it out. This didn't catch you off guard. You're not fragile, I'm not fragile. If you're not fragile, I'm not fragile. We are not in control. And since we're not in control, then who is in control? You are in control. And so if you're in control, I'm gonna do what you asked me to do. A couple weeks ago, I talked about this prayer that, that Jewish people pray. It's called the Shema. You can read it in Deuteronomy 6. It starts off with hear, O Israel. And that Hebrew word for hear, again, sometimes the English language fails us. The word hear doesn't just mean hear. It means simultaneously to hear and obey. To instantly, the minute, what you say, Jesus? I'm on it. And they pray this constantly, the Shema. Pray this constantly. Hear, O Israel. Listen, O Israel. And what they're really saying is, I'm going to obey and activate what the master is saying. Activate what the head of our organization is saying. And he's not an arrogant leader. He's not a prideful leader. He's not telling us what to do because he needs to tell you what to do. He's telling us what to do because it's good for us. And it benefits us because again, Without motion, change, and pain, nothing stays healthy. And so as Jesus is engaging with Peter, trying to take him to another level of intimacy, take him to another level of love, take him to another level of obedience, even obedience to death. As he's doing that, I believe that what he was trying to do is he's trying to make Jesus more real in Peter's life. And that's my petition for all of you today. How can Jesus just be more real than he was last Sunday? More real than he was when you came in? How, how can he be more real? First starts with the question, Lord, I want you to be real this morning. So can you do that? Can we pray that prayer together? Can you stand up right now in the presence of God? even if you're a person who's 
is your first day in church, period. This prayer is for you. It's also for the person who, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you were, like my boys, born under the pews. It doesn't matter. Jesus, we want you to be more real this morning to us. So let's pray together. Father, 